so we have been going through a series called The Greatest Sermon. Uh, if you haven't listened to some of those messages, you can go back and you can uh, find them online, www.wearesouthpoint.com. There's a sermon section. And really, we're just looking at the Sermon on the Mount. And as we've kind of walked through that, there are certain moments in the Sermon on the Mount where you go, man, that's, that's a little heavier, that's a little harder. Um, some of them, the heavy side isn't the big issue. It's, man, that's hard. And that's where we're going to be today. And if I had preached this message maybe two months ago, I would have opened it in a completely different way. But man, what we're going to look at today is very fitting for the weeks we find ourselves in. Because the question has come up a lot as you're watching online right now, and we've minimized our staff, and we've done all these things. Like from a church standpoint, the question comes up over and over and over again. Are our rights being infringed upon? Like, Someone is telling us that we can't meet right now, and there, there's that sense, and especially early on, it's like, no, you can't, you can't tell me that. And man, I, I've met with a number of pastors online, uh, and we were talking about that this week, actually. And I'll say this, I don't feel like my rights are being infringed upon right now. It's hard, it's different, it's weird, I enjoy seeing people and being around people, and so this is hard for me. But we also understand, look, this is a situation that none of us have ever walked through. Uh, it's a situation that none of us have ever lived during, and hopefully we never have to again after this. Like, hopefully we, we get this figured out because no one wants to live like this, but we can still meet. Even right now, as you're watching, we're going to continue to walk through God's Word together. We're able to worship together. It's a little different setting, but we also know that this isn't going to be the rest of our lives. Like, this isn't how humanity is going to live from here on out. And so the idea, though, of, hey, are my rights being infringed upon? Right now, I don't feel that way. And then I read what we're going to talk about today, and there's the reality that, hey, if we are in Christ, like if we're believers, we don't really have rights. I know a lot of times we like to think about certain areas of our life and go, no, that's mine, and I hold on to it tightly, and I put my hand on it, and no one can take that away from me. But we're going to find out today that Jesus says, hey, if you're in me, if you're following me, if you know the gospel, your rights kind of go out the window and there's a higher calling. And so today we're going to be in Matthew chapter 5. We're going to be in verses 38 through 42. And Jesus says this, starting in verse 38, he says, You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your coat or cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Give to the one who begs for it, and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. That's one of those sections of Scripture that when we read that, we go, hmm, that's difficult. Because there's a lot of things within that, man. They're, they're calling me to do something that we would naturally maybe not want to do. Or maybe we want to react in a different way or respond differently and Man, this is a very difficult section of Scripture. If we're just going to be honest, and we are, we're in church, this is a hard thing. Um, it's also, at times, very difficult to interpret some of this. And so I want to try and be clear and explain it. Um, but what it is saying, what I do know for sure is, it's saying, hey, if you're, if you're a believer, if you're a follower of Christ, your rights, they've kind of gone by the wayside because the gospel changes us. We know that. We, I mean, Scripture says we're made into a new creation. And with that new creation, there are some rights. Like, we have citizenship in heaven. That's an amazing right. But in our time here on earth, things that we hold on to kind of dearly seem to have changed a little bit. So here's what this looks like. The gospel changes 
our rights in several ways, but the ones that Jesus refers to today, the first one's this. The gospel changes our right to retaliation. It changes our right to retaliation. So when he says, you have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Now, Jesus is quoting Old Testament scripture there. And to kind of explain what that is talking about, because that context is going to play into what Jesus says right after it. An eye for an eye, the reason that that was kind of put into place was to really stop the wholesale killing of an entire tribe. In the Old Testament, you had the 12 tribes of Israel, and when something was done to a person, um, let's say you get into a fight with somebody and you knock one of their teeth out. Well, what if... They do something back to you, and then it escalates, and you do something back to them, and then family members get involved. This, is, this was put in place really to try and keep this on a very personal level, not on like a society-wide scale. And so it was the idea, hey, if someone does something wrong to you, let's say they knock your tooth out, you have the right to then knock their tooth out, and it's settled. It's done. Now, I don't think that's really helping. <laughs> But that's what Jesus is talking about. He says, hey, you've heard that was said. He's said that a number of times in this sermon so far. You've heard it said, you've heard it said of old, but then Jesus comes and he changes things. He, he brings it into light and he shows that, hey, there's a bigger picture going on here. And so he says, you've heard it said, an eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other cheek also. So this example of an evil person is given. Um, and we know that evil exists in a lot of different ways. It exists on a very personal level where there's criminal activity. Um, and it exists just on a worldwide scale where, look, by nature, we do things that are wrong. And Jesus says, hey, that, you need to understand that's out there. You are surrounded by those people. As Jesus is looking at some of these people in this crowd that he's teaching, he's looking at some of them and he knows, like, you are an evil person. Um, not in a condoning way, but just the reality that you will do things that are wrong and those people will interact with you in your life. And the first thing that he talks about is retaliation. He says, if anyone slaps you across the right cheek, turn the other cheek. Now, this is a big thing. Does this mean that I can't retaliate in any way? Like, that's a legit question that comes out of this. And that's where, again, where this is a kind of hard thing to interpret. Because you have one example where people would say, I have no right to retaliate. Um, and one of the biggest examples that I can think of, if you're looking for a movie to watch right now with your family, a good family one, um, it's got some mature content, and I'm going to describe that, but um, there's a movie called Into the Spear uh, about a group of missionaries in South America. Um, they go to a tribe that was known for being very brutal, um, for living with spears and killing everyone around them, and they went to share the gospel with them. Um, and they had a gun, um, and there's a scene where a kid goes, would you use that? And the, one of the dads, one of the missionaries goes, no, we would just fire it in the air to scare him off. Well, they fired it in the air, and it didn't scare him off, and these missionaries ended up being killed. Um, that's the heavy question of, okay, to what extent? Now, the flip side of that, one of their kids and several other people continued to minister to that tribe, and then the gospel invaded them, and that entire group within a generation was changed. Um, that's a big story. Now, I don't think Jesus is saying you have no right to retaliation whatsoever when it comes to a physical thing. Uh, most of us haven't probably lived in that uh, where someone was trying to physically harm us. I know some people have. Um, one point in my life, I really thought somebody was about to hit me, and I was really having to figure out and weigh, okay, what do I do in this situation? Uh, when I was in college, I worked at a restaurant, and I remember taking an order. Um, I remember it very clearly. The guy called an order in, and on his mashed potatoes, he said, no bacon. 
And I know I put no bacon, but I did not check the order like I was supposed to. It was on me. And uh, it went out. And then the reason he didn't want bacon was for religious reasons. And a few minutes later, he comes back in, and he slams this thing down in front of me and goes, what is that? And he was very mad, and I knew it wasn't a rhetorical question. Um, And because I had a little bit of religious training, like I knew why he was upset. So I was trying to handle it as calmly and as nicely as I could. And I was like, man, I'm sorry. Let me... Let me take this back. I'll make sure we'll get you a new one. And he wasn't having that. He didn't want new food. He looked like he was about to come across the table and hit me. Um, I mean, just as aggressive without hitting as could be. And I was really wondering, like, okay, um, what do I do here? Um, thankfully, the situation was de-escalated. But what I think Jesus is really talking about here is when we're insulted. And the reason I think that is because of the way he words certain things. He says, if anyone were to strike you, uh, on your right cheek. Really interesting that he would pull out, like, a right cheek. Like, why, why say it like that? Well, in Jesus' time, and it's still very much the same today, backhanding someone was more of an insult than, like, physical confrontation. Yes, there was a physical act there, but it was really meant to be insulting. Um, it was insulting then, it's insulting now. Now, most of us, not everyone, but the majority of the world, were right-handed. So if I were to backhand someone, my hand would come in contact with their right cheek. Um, What Jesus is really getting at here is, hey, when you're insulted, it's not your place to fire back and and try and escalate the situation. Um, Because we feel like, man, we can be insulted in lots of different ways. Um, every, every day something can happen where you can feel like, hey, that was, that was wrong, uh, directed at me, and like I'm, I'm insulted by that. Uh, we've, we've found that a lot right now. Um, since we're all on social media a lot more now, I think we've all found our annoying Facebook friend. Um, and if you haven't found that person, it could be you. Um, and I've found there have been a couple times where I've started to comment on something and went, and I'm, I'm thankful for this sermon this week especially, I went, man, that's, that's not my place right now. It's not the right time. It's not the right place. Um, I need to just practice turn the other cheek. We all got to learn to do that. We turn the other cheek and we just leave it to God. Like we leave it to God in lots of different areas. We, we talk about when it comes to salvation. Uh, I love the definition um, of evangelism that Campus Crusade has. It's sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit and leaving the results to God. Man, I, I leave that to God knowing that he's in control. He's the one that changes lives. He's the one who makes someone into a new creation. And so we leave that to God. Like right now with all the things that are going on and we talk about fear, we talk about faith and all of that, we, we leave it to God right now. I know he's still in control. I know he's still got this. And when it comes to retaliation, I leave that to God. That's why Paul would write in Romans chapter 12. In verse 17, he says this. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourself, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Paul had this in mind, and Paul is a guy that had every right in a lot of different areas to want to take retaliation and retribution into his own hands. Like, if you read through Scripture, some of the things that were done to him, man, most of us would really struggle with how would I respond. And yet Paul writes, man, I'm going to leave that to God. Because when we do, 
people will take notice of that. It show, when we leave retribution and retaliation to God, it shows the gospel to people around us. I've got a friend that a coworker of his like really belittled him on Christianity for a long time. Like he was pretty outgoing with his faith, not crazy or anything, but just just living it. And this coworker, man, he would make fun of him and heckle him and berate him about it all the time. And a few years ago, he said, "Hey, I'm I'm not going to be at church this Sunday because that guy's getting baptized." Like his example over and over again made an impact in that guy's life. So the gospel changes our right to something even as big as retaliation. It also changes our right to possessions. <clears throat> Look in verse 40. He says, if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. Now, let me kind of explain this because Jesus kind of takes a legal approach to this next one when he talks about possessions. Um, in Jesus' day, you could go and you could sue someone for their clothes. Um, I think you can probably still do that today. We just don't talk about it as much. Uh, we have a lot more clothes than they had back in Jesus' time. But underneath, you would have some undergarments that would be you know, kind of like a suit, but then you would have a tunic on top of it, or a cloak that was on top of it. Um, legally, someone could not take that cloak because it was deemed by the religious leaders of the day that cloak is a bigger possession. It keeps people warm if they've got to sleep outside at night. You can't take that, but you can take everything else. And Jesus says, hey, you, you let that out of your mind. Like, all of your possessions, they're not your own. If someone is asking, we give. We actually, we have to realize, man, we are so blessed. Like, the number of possessions that we have today is overwhelming. Those possessions are a gift from God to be used for his glory. Like, we don't hoard things. I know that word's been used a lot. Like, we, we reach out and we care. We use our possessions um, to impact people. So maybe that's food right now. Maybe you know somebody that's, like, legit hungry. Uh, invite them over for a meal or take a meal to them right now in this current time. But even if the world was normal, saying, hey, we want you to come and enjoy something that is ours. Yeah, this is our food. But we can use that as a blessing to others. We can sit around a table and we can make memories. We can talk, we can eat, and enjoy it for the glory of God. You could use a car for ministry. Um, there's a couple of probably watching right now, Ryan and Karina Green. Uh, they had this white car that I think half the people at South Point Church have used at some point. Um, I, I'm looking around the room, and there are people in this room right now that have used that. Um, shortly after we moved here, I kind of got involved in a little wreck, and uh, the Green said, hey, instead of having to rent a car, we, we've got this extra one. Why don't you use it? And man, I was so unbelievably thankful for that. That was them going, hey, we've got this possession. And yeah, we could keep it here. We could sell it. We could make money. But we're using it as a blessing for other people. Uh, we can give to neighbors. We can take the tangible blessings that God has given us, and we can use those possessions for his glory. We can also use possessions that aren't as tangible, like in a physical sense. But if we're in Christ, we know that we've been given spiritual gifts. We know that the Holy Spirit gifts us that. And that's not meant to be hoarded. It's meant to be sent out. It's meant to push back darkness. We take that possession and we use it for the glory of God, not to make ourselves look better or to puff ourselves up, but because we have the opportunity to be a blessing to others. And people see this. People see generosity. Like so many good stories are going around right now of people out there, you know, using their, you know, gifts to make masks, using their gifts to, to feed people, uh, using their gifts to care for others. Like generosity is noticeable. And as believers, we take our possessions and we lead out in that because they're not ours. They're meant for God's glory. And if we do that, I want to read one of the most beautiful passages in Scripture. It comes out of Acts chapter 2. 
In verse 42, it says this, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, and the fellowship, and the breaking of bread and prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done throughout the apostles, or through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. That section is often called the fellowship of the believers. And I believe that that is one of the most pure and beautiful moments in Scripture. Early on in the church, people who had come from lots of different backgrounds, lots of different brokenness, were exposed to the gospel. Peter and the other apostles, they're, they're preaching this. And their lives are being changed. And man, they understood my rights that I held so dear are out. And I begin to look out and I begin to appreciate sitting under teaching and growing in my faith. I begin to look around and go, what needs are not being met and how can I play a part in that? This is a beautiful, beautiful section of scripture where people looked around and said, hey, it's not about me. I understand that I've been made into something new. And we, in 2020, we've got to get back to that. We've got to get back to looking around going, hey, what needs are not being met and do I care enough about people to maybe part with something? Do I care enough about people to share something? Do I care enough about people to come together so that the gospel can be made known? Because you notice that it said, finding favor with all people. People who were far from the gospel at this time would look at these people and go, I don't completely understand what you believe, but I see something in it. And over time, seeing that over and over again that's why it says their number was added to day by day. And so in 2020, with all the amazing amenities and, and abilities that we have right now, man, we have the opportunity to see that day by day, God adding people to his kingdom. But our possessions are not our own. And also, the gospel changes our right to time. In verse 41, he says, And if anyone forces you to go one mile, Go with him two miles. Now, when we hear that and we just read that quickly, for us, it's like, I, I don't have people come up to me very often and say, hey, do you want to go run a mile with me? Like, Thomas Curry, he's somewhere around here, and he'll, he'll say that because he's, like, in the CrossFit. But right now, you just don't hear that a lot. But what was, there's some context again to this. When Jesus is looking out on this crowd of people listening to him, they understood exactly what that meant. Because for almost 100 years at this point, Israel, Judah, had been under Roman rule. In the 60s BC, Rome came in on a conquering conquest and took over Israel. And one of the things that was mandated um, by the Roman army and the Roman Empire was you can essentially make these people pack mules. And so if a soldier was carrying something and it was a little too heavy or he just didn't want to be inconvenienced by it, he could go to an Israelite and say, I want you to, you have to carry this. And the legal bounds were you have to carry it one mile. That's why even in um, Jesus' crucifixion, when they grab a guy and say, hey, you've got to help carry the cross, like they could legally do that. Um, and that's what he's referring to. He's referring to a time element because now you've got to put down what you're doing and now I'm just having to go and carry stuff for this guy, the soldier, and for a mile, and which means I've got to come back and so my time is being taken. And Jesus says, hey, even, even time's not yours. Time is really precious to us. Man, we guard it, we, we try and hold on to it dearly, but there's a flip side. Like if we 
get really honest, we let a lot of things steal our time. I think we've seen that in the last couple of weeks. We found all these different areas where we're like, eh, maybe I didn't need to spend as much time on social media. Now, are they bad? No, like we're using social media right now. Um, it can be used for good, but sometimes it steals our time. Television, sports, like sports aren't a bad thing. Like I love, we're a pretty sports heavy family. Um, and just not having that is kind of tough on me and my kids. Um, but man, sometimes that stole a little bit of time. And so instead of having it stolen, instead of guarding it so carefully and going, man, no one can have this. As believers, our time is meant to be spent in a lot of different areas. And so we give of our time. We give of our time in ministry. Like right now, there are people that said, hey, I could be home, but I'm going to come up here and responsibly help lead and worship. Ministry is happening right now. So we say big thank you to everybody. Um, but at the same time, in ministry, we also have to guard certain things and not let it take over our lives. Uh, years ago, I worked for a guy named Greg Mott. Um, I didn't really work for him. I got to sit under him at a Bible study in College Station called Breakaway. Uh, Breakaway is, I think, to date, the biggest college Bible study in the country. There's like 10,000 students that gather together on Tuesday night. Um, that's a pretty big ministry. That's a lot to pull off. And I remember him saying once in kind of a teaching time that there was a point where ministry was just killing him. Like, he's like, man, I spent all my time. It was utterly time-consuming, and it was, I was burning out. He said, I learned to lead Breakaway with its hundreds of volunteers, with its thousands upon thousands of students, and all the ministry associated with it. He said, I learned to do that in 35 hours a week. He said, I had to learn what was important, what I could delegate, what I could cut out. And he said, I learned to do it in 35 hours, and I pretty much hold to that. And I was like, that's, I'm, I was thankful as a young minister to learn that because this can, this can take a lot of time. But sometimes we learn to delegate, but we learn that, hey, we still give within that. And serving with so many of you right now, um, our church, the number of people that serve is pretty high. And that's people giving of their time. Now, once we can all get back together, um, I'm really looking forward to that. If you're not plugged in somewhere, give, give a little bit of your time. A little bit of that time can make an impact in our student ministry. A little bit of that time can make an impact in our kids' ministry. During service, during the week, leading a life group, all of those things. Sometimes we go, man, I just don't have time to do that. And I think we're finding we do. Let's make the most of our time. Make the most of your families right now. Like a lot of you, if you're sitting together, this is your chance to worship together. Make, make memories with your family. Make very unique ones. I've loved watching my wife. Like she did some art projects with the kids this week that we wouldn't have done if we didn't have... COVID-19 going around right now. Uh, I've taken my kids, like, they are, they got really spoiled suddenly because my kids have a gymnasium um, because we live right next to the church, and I bring them over, and we play basketball. We play football. Uh, my kid, even last night on, I was reminded this morning on the, um, the on Saturday nights, our kids get together and, and Zoom, and Logan made the statement, I've been draining threes all day. Um, he doesn't lack for confidence, and uh, that's, that's the memory we get. Like right now, let's make the most of that time. Let's give it because it's not ours. It's still a blessing. And the last thing that Jesus mentions is the gospel changes our right to money. In verse 42, he says, Give to the one who begs from you, and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. We often see money as our greatest possession because we do. We live in a society where money drives pretty much everything. You got mortgages, you got rent, you got utilities, you got to go to the grocery store. Um, a lot of people are kind of uncertain right now. Okay, my job, like what's going what's to happen with it? Like money drives so much of our society. 
And it's always kind of driven society, right? That's why Jesus talks about money and finances a lot in Scripture. Because one, they can overwhelm and they can overtake and they can make us greedy. And at the same time, they have the opportunity to be a blessing to others. Uh, We have to remember that even though it's one of our greatest possessions, it is a blessing from God and it's meant to be a blessing to other people. To be a blessing to people who are in need. That number is going to go up substantially right now. Even this morning from a leadership standpoint, we were talking about, hey, what can we do to reach out in our community? And a lot of pastors in the, in the Abilene area I know are asking this question as well. What can we do to meet physical needs financially? Because we have that opportunity. Man, we've been blessed. And there's people that are hurting right now. There's people that have already lost jobs. You could be sitting there today, and maybe you're one of those people. Like, we have the opportunity to be a blessing to those in need. Uh, we have an opportunity to be a blessing to our missionaries. Um, we support a number of missionaries through South Point Church. Um, a lot of them have had some effects um, because of everything that's going on because they're global. Some aren't able to get back to the countries that they are missionaries in right now. Some are having to redo things like we're doing right now. But we still have that opportunity to be a blessing to our missionaries, to be a blessing to our church. You know, even this week, like, we, we see church as this thing that we come together on Sundays for, but we obviously know, hey, a lot goes on during the week. We've got a staff, <laughs> Like, I have to sit down and say, hey, guys, we want you to know you are our top priority. Like, we want to make sure that you are taken care of. And so we're going to be financially responsible. And when people give, we know that that is our responsibility to oversee that. And so we want to be responsible with that. But we have an opportunity to be a blessing to our church. At the same time, this is a little bit of a wisdom issue. You got you to think through some of it. Because he gives some really pointed examples when he talks. He says, hey, when someone is begging... Now, a lot of people have a lot of different stances on that. We're not going to argue about that. Um, Mine is, if I have the means, I'll try and help a little bit. Now, I don't always know what that's going to be used for, and that's where it's a wisdom issue. Um, There's a guy that I've mentioned in messages before. I've tried to help a number of times, whether that was financially or other things, food, water. Um, I don't know all the stories, so I'm going to continue to try and help the guy. Um, At the same time, The wisdom issue comes in when you know, hey, if I'm giving to this person, I am supporting something like a a drug habit or alcohol, something like that. If you know that's where it's going to go, and here's the thing, we don't always know, but sometimes you do. Like there was a person that in the past our church helped out, um, and I know where that help went to because I had a phone call from a hotel the next day. Um, That person came back a while later. It was like, no, because I I don't, it's not that I don't want to give, I just don't want knowing that this is what you're going to do with it, it's the wisdom issue. Like, if you know it's going to be detrimental to somebody, try and help out in a little bit different way. But a lot of times, we just don't know. But we've been called, even when it comes to something as precious as our money, we've been called to say, hey, it's not my own, and I'm going to trust God in that. That's a big trust area. That's a big faith area, but I'm going to do it. And look, Jesus could have gone on and on and on. He gives four examples in this little section, but he could have gone on and on about, hey, as a believer, some of our rights are not as hold on to them as much as we thought. And here's why. Jesus showed loss of right more than anyone. Like the greatest example, if we wrestle with this, and look, I get this is some hard scripture because we like rights. We like feeling like, no, I'm in control. Well, Jesus is the ultimate example of, Man, I'm letting my right go. He steps out of heaven onto earth. Like he left the glory of heaven, angels singing to him every day, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. He steps out of that 
into a society where he would ultimately be crucified. He steps out of that glory and he tells his disciples, look, I don't even have a place to lay my head. He steps off of his throne into a manger. He steps out of the glory of heaven into the muck and mire of humanity. Like Jesus understood what it was to give up rights more than anyone because he gave all of that up so that we could experience salvation. And if you're watching today, maybe who knows where, and you don't know what that looks like, he stepped out of heaven so that he could come and live a sinless life on earth. And for a couple years, he did ministry, and he loved on people, performed miracles. He ultimately laid his life down. Because he was sinless, when he was crucified, he covered the price of sin so that you and I could experience forgiveness and grace. And you're invited to that. So you're watching online, okay. You can still, where you're sitting right now, say, look, I need that. I know that I've never really had a personal relationship with Jesus. And so if that's you, it's simply saying, hey, I want to turn away from my old life, and I want to follow Christ. I want to put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ today. And if that is you, by all means, fill that Connect card out. We want to connect with you. We want to help you grow in that. Because Jesus understood, hey, I'm, I'm leaving some of this temporarily so that I can make salvation possible for these people for God's glory. And so if that's you today, please, by all means, fill that out. And as we're out and about this week, let's remember, this life is not our own. Let's live it for the glory of God and watch what he does. Let's pray. God, we love you. And God, even in something reading through some of these. God, I know they can be difficult, they can be hard, but they're there. So God, I pray that we'll press into you deeply right now, that you'll be gracious with us, that we'd be gracious with others. God, we're so thankful that Christ gave up some of his right for a time to defeat sin and make salvation possible for us. I pray that's our great example and reminder this week. We ask all of that in Christ's name. Amen.